0: Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian. And today I'm joined by a returning guest, Robbie, who is an intellectual property attorney. Welcome.
1: Hey, good to be back.
0: It's good to have you back. It's good to have you back. And we, I was curious to ask you about something. I'm thinking a little bit about creative commons licenses and you seem to know a few things about that that i was gonna ask you about <laughs> yeah
1: yeah a little bit i think um you know one of the great things that's going on in in this space right now is it is easier than it ever has been for people to um make something and just put it out in the world um you know uh give it to people put it on ZineQuest, quest itch.io whatever you have and uh yeah i think that people might have some questions about you know what's what's the best way to kind of um, license their work if they want to let other people use it I, I think it'd be fun to talk about
0: it yeah i think it's a great and and i'm considering like as i've been working on something i'm thinking hey i'd like to probably throw one of those creative commons licenses on them a few of the zines i've picked up recently have had them uh i know that I've been looking at liminal horror here lately. I'm probably gonna do a, a zine Thursday on it soon. And they have a creative Commons licenses on the back. Oh, nice. Uh, all text is licensed under CC by SA 4.0. And I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> sure,
1: yeah. I haven't heard of that one specifically. The cover looks pretty great.
0: It's it's neat. I'm gonna I'll, I'll listen to wobblies and wizards, and there will be a lot more talk yeah. about this game in the future. I promise, because I think there's going to be some cool stuff coming out for it. <laughs> oh, nice! Yeah,
1: looking forward to it. Yeah, Creative Commons is great. Um, I think when you release something into the world, you have a few choices about how to do the license. Creative Commons is a great option. You could do something like the um the open game license. Um, you know, your own adaptation, spin of it, or just, you know, do it and and kind of fill out the categories that it, um, it outlines, or, you know, you don't have to give any kind of license. Maybe that's a good place to start, right? Okay. Um, By default, if somebody wants to take your stuff and and use it, right, they want to like, you know, make some edits, incorporate it into something that they have either, you know, maybe they have like a, like a book and they want to, you know, they're like, oh, here's a book with like 15 different games in it and yours is going to be one of them or, or you know, they have their own hack of it or whatever. They have to reach out to you. They have to, you know, kind of pick up the phone, email, something like that, and ask you for your permission, Uh, which is actually not that bad. It's not that high of a bar. I feel like people these days aren't as likely to pick up the phone as they used to be. (laughs) If you just want to give kind of blanket permission for anyone to use it, you have, again, stuff like Creative Commons licenses, OpenGL. OpenGL is, or that that open gaming license, you are um, delineating a little bit more precisely sort of what People can and can't use and it's great for a company like uh, like hasbro where they say we want people to be able to use our stuff we just don't want them to be able to use all of our stuff so the important brand assets we want to kind of reserve and then everything else we want to put out there and it it does a lot of the work of communicating that to the audience whereas something like you know a creative commons license is just like hey everything that's here you know you take it like you find it and then go ahead and do what you want and there are a few issues you can get into with that talk about that a little bit but the the types of licenses, right? The things that you generally care about with an OpenGL license. Um, attribution, that's that buy yeah. part of it.
0: And that's usually – is that usually what you see at the back of a lot of the books? Like Pathfinder has that big OGL print-up with really small text in the back. That the <laughs> attribution?
1: Yeah. Oh, so that, that's different from the Creative Commons license. Yeah, that's oh. – the, the way the Open Gaming license works – is you, you separate and delineate like what, what people can use and what people can't use. There's this concept of um, an SRD or systems reference document yes. where it's sort of just the stuff that's free for anyone to use. And in the case of, uh, you know, I'm just going to go with Dungeons and Dragons because I think people are very familiar with it. You take stuff like Mind Flayers and Beholders and you say like, that's our own stuff. We don't want you using that. But, um, you know, this, this other stuff is kind of, to use and it's mostly anything related to like the d20 system and you know uh you know you can you can say like armor class all you want and uh I, I haven't taken a, a look at it in a while to see like <laughs> exactly like what is, is and isn't yeah. in there. But you know, it's sort of yeah, where where you draw the line between what's publicly available and what people need to get special permission to use.
0: Now the D I I feel like most people are aware of the open game license from Dungeons and Dragons. I think there's a difference between the one. So when third edition comes out, that was a game changer because that brought about the introduction of the open game license, the OGL, which I believe was cut out for fourth. Am I correct on that? Do you know about the history of that? Or
1: yeah, I I haven't really uh, looked deeply into this. And just as a personality thing, I don't I don't like to shoot from the hip in my capacity yeah. as a lawyer. I feel like that's a bad bad trait for a lawyer to have. Um, my understanding is that yeah, they released it for third, and then they decided that that wasn't something that they wanted to do going forward when they did fourth. Oh, and this is an important point for people to know: these types of licenses are not revocable, right? Like once you put it out into the world. It's out there and people can kind of accept the license the way it was when you put it out so if you release something under you know an an OpenGL license or creative commons license and then you decide that that was a bad idea and you wish you hadn't done that it's kind of too bad you can say that any of the new stuff that i make going forward is not available under that license but you can't claw back the old stuff
0: okay it makes sense and i do know that that traveler itself did get a, an open license SRD put out there and that was what Cepheus Deluxe and stuff like that has been using to build their games as sort of traveler clones now yeah. I don't know I don't know what the legality is and I, and I might, might be curious to ask you because I know that a lot of people say oh well we don't say that we're a clone of D&D because there's concern about making that claim or something along those lines and i'm curious about the traveler as well is it is it sketchy to say hey this is a clone of and name the game by the product because i know that all the logos on everything say 5e they don't even say dnd from all third party stuff
1: yeah it's actually a really interesting question so first of all the, the 5e thing that's really interesting because i was just looking at the that player's handbook uh yeah. just the other day and I don't think the player's handbook even calls it 5e. I think no. that's just like something that people know if you've like spent enough time on the internet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which is which is interesting. But there is this tension between copyright and the First Amendment, right? So, you know, copyright says... I'm going to give you a monopoly on this particular piece of creative expression. You're the only person who can express this idea in this way. And you know, first amendment guarantees the right to freedom of speech. It's sort of like where's the balance between those? Um and that's that's where you get into this thing called called fair use, which I can talk about a little bit more in a bit. Um but the idea is that you're not supposed to be able to use copyright to stop people from talking about things. You're just supposed to be able to use it to stop people from from copying things, from like uh stealing the the valuable thing that you have. So saying this is compatible with Dungeons and Dragons is the type of thing that you are supposed to be allowed to say. I think where you can tend to get in trouble is if you use the Dungeons and Dragons logo, if you have like their particular font, um, you know what they call trade dress where, you know, yes. if you open like an official Dungeons and Dragons module, it's going to look a certain way and that's actually not a copyright issue. That's a trademark issue. It creates what they call source or sponsorship confusion, where just like a guy off the street would pick that up and look at it and say, oh, this this looks like something that was the coast officially licensed. I bet like I I can expect this is going to have a certain level of quality based on that. and, And you actually don't. They can stop you from doing that. Um, but just saying like this is compatible with Dungeons and Dragons, totally fair. Um, I think there's a lot of euphemisms people use, right? Like they are like, oh, this is compatible with the world's most popular role playing game or whatever, <laughs>
0: uh, which is
1: probably not strictly necessary. But I don't think it's going to get you in any trouble if you're confident that people are going to understand what you mean. And they probably are. If you're doing something like um, like Traveler. Right. I think it's a it's a niche within a niche. So, uh, you know, you really have to say, like, this is designed to be compatible with Traveler because, you know, euphemisms there aren't going to cut it.
0: <laughs> um,
1: but uh, that's that's not the kind of thing that's going to land you in any kind of trouble.
0: Now, I have uh, I have certain I have certain personal opinions and thoughts on copyright. Yeah. And, and and I'm not I don't think I want to go completely into all of them on today's episode. But one of the things is when it comes to like Dungeons and Dragons, I feel in two years it's going to be fifty years. You know, I feel so. <laughs> Dave, Dave, and Gary are dead and have been dead for a- yeah. quite a while. I feel that Dungeons and Dragons. In my like world view, should just be open for the world, not be able to be like monopolized by a company and own the name of the as the intellectual property, right? Because they had more money than everybody else to buy the rights to use the game that we as a community have been playing for 50 years. But that's oh. aside from this. I could if I could talk your ear off. I could take up the
1: rest <laughs> of your entire day just on this topic.
0: I'd like that. <laughs> it's even
1: weirder because in America. Oh, God. Uh, most of the rest of the world in like Europe and Asia and whatever, there's a lot of consideration for, you know, sort of um, moral rights, the authors and, you know, sort of this is a thing that you created and you put so much of your person into you should have some say in how it gets used. And in America, we have a one hundred percent capitalist system of copyright, right? And so they say, if you make something, if you you know write a book or song or whatever, and put it out in the world, and you cannot stop other people from from copying it, then it is cheaper for somebody else to copy it than it is for you to make it because they didn't have to put any upfront costs in, it, right? Like they didn't invest any time, whatever. Copying it right. is super easy for them; it's more difficult for you. And so they're going to be able to outcompete you in the marketplace they're going to be able to price under you whatever um in this like econ 101 mba sense and um and frees you out of the marketplace and that's bad because then you don't have anybody making anything creative and so if we give people rights to what they do then we can encourage people to do creative things and that sounds great right that's like the, the thomas jefferson copyright act you know like going way back yeah and then they just keep on stretching it and stretching it and stretching it and like in um in the 1970s the last time they they did this like you know uh like major overhaul or no 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 not even the 70s they, they did the copyright term extension act in, in i want to say the 90s and um they had like uh like the guys from the eagles coming in and like giving testimony yeah. to the effect that like oh if we didn't know that we could get this extra 20 years after we were dead back in the 70s we would never have written those songs and it's like come on come on grow up like this is not why anybody creates anything right
0: i mean i talk to a lot of really good game creators and really creative people And most of them aren't really getting much money out of what they're making. (laughs) No, they are not. I,
1: I think that, you know, if we were living in like, if we were living in Star Trek, right? If money didn't exist anymore, I think creative people would still do creative things, right? Like the piece that you would miss wouldn't be, you know, george lucas making star wars it would be like disney buying it up and trying to like productize it and market it and i don't know that missing that really hurts us as a society like i wouldn't feel poorer for that this is <laughs> this is all just opinion this isn't anything to do with the way that like the copyright law works or, or what people need to worry about
0: like i'll be honest i watch a lot of star wars and marvel movies and i really enjoyed <laughs> that they're dumping all this money in because I, I i growing up i was obsessed with marvel comics i never thought i'd see the kind of things i'd see at the same time like they kind of made their bread and butter off of taking other people's work like peter pan cinderella and and like yanking conquer and then slapping a copyright trademark on it and like it's kind of a weird thing that happens they own it all now after they took it from other people and then after they made those laws they went out and bought all the stuff that I grew up with as a kid, all the Marvel and star Wars because because of the copyright laws that are protecting them. So their whole model was just to go out there and take the other things that people had created and have a lot of money to back it and put these big productions out, which I'm not complaining about the movies and shows. I enjoy them, but I don't think that that's necessarily what I think is the best route for the laws to be. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was a pretty big thing in my circles um just just recently or I guess it was like a year or two ago now but uh, Winnie the Pooh by uh, yes. I want to say it's A.A. Milne um entered the public domain and so that's kind of free to use and you know you can make your own Winnie the Pooh but uh, you can't do the Disney Winnie the Pooh. So you have to kind of like look at and if you like if you just really dug that song about like lumps and woozles, like, okay, <laughs> steer clear. You you can only use the stuff from the AML and one. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a place for non-corporate art. And I think that sort of accumulating a lot of benefits to corporate art does not necessarily benefit artists who are doing the real work. Again, this is like wildly off topic. <laughs> but, you know, like, like, let's just like imagine a world where instead of copyright extending for a practically infinite amount of time where they say you know what once you've made once you made a million dollars off of this it's done your copyright's gone mm-hmm. right so like all that Star Wars stuff uh would still exist right like nobody would have just like taken their Star Wars and like thrown in the dumpster oh, but yeah. You would have every right to make the next Star Wars movie, right? Like, that
0: would be great. Can you imagine all the I don't, who it doesn't to make Star Wars. It's a different
1: world we'd be living in. I don't know if that sounds better or worse. Uh, I kind of don't see the downside, but uh, I don't know.
0: I don't see the downside. I can imagine the great Star Wars role-playing games we'd have. I think we have them. Everybody just tries to file off the serial numbers and find a way around it. Like, oh, I'm going to create this. I'll just name it something different and kind of bring what I wanted to bring to it. You know, that's how it's kind of approached right now, it seems to me, at least in the game communities.
1: Yeah. And then you have like interesting stuff, um, like what happened with uh, Moorcock's work. Mm -hmm. where he sort of like licensed Elric off to a number of different game companies over the years to develop their role-playing games. And there's um, a little bit of drama over like overlapping rights where, you know, uh, he gave sort of non-exclusive rights to different companies and they were kind of competing with each other. And my understanding is that, in later years he kind of took more of a hands-on approach that he's sort of like hey let me see what you're doing with this before i kind of give you the license
0: yeah
1: um it's it's apocryphal i've never talked to michael moorcock that's the story <laughs> i've heard uh, I like and i kind of like
0: moorcock. that <laughs> yeah yeah he's an interesting he's an interesting fella all around not just his work but i think he's a, he's a fascinating person i i that's someone who i I would love to be able to get Michael Moorcock on here. I'm going to try my damn to reach out to him. Now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's, he's still around. I think he might be the last um Surviving author from that like appendix end.
0: and he I know that he recently just in the last couple of years was writing like some newer Doctor Who books and stuff like that oh, as well. Yeah. Just just a few years ago, so he's 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 still been doing some stuff. All right, so I'm going to go back. I want to go back and look. At oh, creative yeah, creative this is wildly off topic. <laughs> Boy, I I have I as we're talking, I have about 200 other questions popping into my head. Yeah. I have to have you back on to talk about some of those questions. In the oh future. yeah, happy to. But. Let's let's go look at the Creative Commons licenses for a minute. Let's say because uh, I, I one of the reasons I I definitely want to talk about this is I was thinking maybe I want to put a Creative Commons license on this this little thing we're putting together, and I'd like for people to be able to like make modules for it, and I'd like for people to be able to like put stuff out and play with it and make hacks of it and all those things. The thing I don't want is I don't want someone to be able to just take it and make money off of the thing that I created like oh all of a sudden someone just prints out a ton of copies with no authorization and whatnot like I do think that I would like some limitation that they can't just hey I can use it all and make all the money in the world off of it but if you're making your own thing I don't got a problem with you making a few bucks off of something you created Does that make sense
1: yeah, yeah, that's great. Actually, I, I think I started to say this before I got completely sidelined. But um, there are three um, major uh, restrictions that you can put on something with the um, with the Creative Commons license, and um, they have like the the logo thing, right? If you yes. if you look at it, it's like a like a gray box, and then there are sort of different logos that you can slot into it. These just reflect the things that people tend to be the most concerned about. You know, one is attribution. Um, do they have to put your name on it? Uh, which, you know, seems like a good thing. Um, But, you know, if you don't want to require that of people, you don't have to. There is a uh, non-commercial, which um, says that, you know, the thing you're talking about, right? You can use this for any non-commercial use. You can't turn around and sell it. And does that mean that nobody can do anything commercial with it? No, that just means that if they want to, they can't use that license. They have to come and talk to you and get get a different license for that yeah and then there's uh sort of a uh, uh, no derivatives if you want people to use exactly what you put out and not make any changes then you can put that no derivatives and they can you know make copies um print it out hand it out at their local coffee shop do whatever they want um but they can't alter it and modify it and make their own thing based off of it
0: yeah and, and, and that's the thing too like like you talk about the non commercial, like if I put something out there and people want to go to like Lulu or something and print up a PDF because they can't get print the PDF up because they can't get a hold of a physical copy, I'm all about that. They just want to play the game, get a hold of it, and make it up for their game group, or like, hey, I'm going to make a few copies for my game group and run them off of my printer. Those are the kinds of things that I'm cool with. I'm all about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, that helps me to look now. When I'm looking at the Creative Commons licenses, those are the three main things. How would I go about maneuvering, figuring out what I wanted to do, like, like, and and what I wanted to throw on there, if that makes sense?
1: Yeah. So um, releasing it under the license is is the easiest thing in the world. Uh, the tricky part is making sure that you've in licensed everything you need to. Right. Mm-hmm. So the most common problem that people get into using something off a Creative Commons license. Uh, or or any of these open licenses, is that it doesn't give them the rights that they thought it did. Right? So, I guess I'll take a step back, right? There there are two, broadly speaking, there are two different kinds of licenses you can get to use any kind of intellectual property. There's what I'm going to call uh, a a warranty license, there's a non-warranty license. And so, under a warranty license, you know, you're licensing something out and you say, look, i have all of these rights i've looked into it i've done the legwork i know that i um that i have the right to 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 do all these things and i know i have the right to to convey those rights to give them to you and so that's what i'm doing Mm -hmm. and under a non-warranty license you say like look I don't know what I have, but whatever I have, feel free to to do whatever you want with it. You only have the rights that that person had and was able to give to you. Um, and they don't make any representation about what those rights are. Typically, if you are, you know, if you're getting into like contractual negotiation, if, you know, your, your people are talking to their people, you're going to make sure that you know that you've done your, your due diligence and you understand what rights they have, and that they have, you know, kind of everything buttoned down, and you're going to get a warranty license from this person, where they represent and warrant that they they have all of these things. And and typically, if you're just getting something for free over the internet, people aren't going to do that labor <laughs> for you. Um, so maybe uh, that person did maybe there's, there's a copyright issue or maybe there's some other issue, right? Like there could be some stuff with likeness rights or, you know, like right to publicity, that kind of stuff. If there's yeah. sort of like, you know, real people referenced um, sort of in in that or, uh, you know, whatever, whatever else could come in, right? In the context of a, a game like this, you know, there might be some trademark issues. There might even be some patent issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not really aware of any sort of currently active patents in the role playing game space, but it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure you know that you have all the rights. And if you're putting something out with a Creative Commons license, uh, they encourage you to um, put that kind of information up front to say like, hey, look, here's here's what I have the rights to. Here's what you can do. Here's what's my own stuff that I've created. Uh, even to like give a warranty, if it just like feels real good. Uh, you know, as a lawyer, I would not recommend that somebody give a warranty and get nothing in return, because that mm. just means that if something goes wrong, it's on you. That's that's the real trouble that you get into, right, is, is that, you know, the Creative Commons license gives you some amount of rights and that you don't 100% know exactly what those are. So it's the easiest thing in the world if um, you're doing entirely stuff that you made by yourself, and if everything that you're pulling in comes from the public domain, right, if yeah. it's based on uh, either things that are really old for things that are a matter of sort of fact and record. Actually, another interesting source um, government documents are not subject to copyright, right? So maybe you just like go through a lot of like declassified FBI files from the 50s and make <laughs> a game about investigating cattle mutilations or whatever. And that's like and that's fair game they can't the fbi can't see you for copyright infringement i have a game on my shelf that you know hopefully i'll get to play someday where it's uh like ice age role playing where you can be you know like a, a neanderthal or a Cro Magnon or whatever yeah um yeah and it's it's like that stuff is entirely based off of public domain sources right oh, like it's who, 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 who matters of historical called? record uh it's called uh it's called worm i think but there's like some umlauts over the u so huh. i don't know how you pronounce I'm that i'm not sure
0: <laughs> if i've checked that one out yet or not well, oh I need to figure out that? Where'd you get that?
1: <laughs> uh, so that one is published by Chaosium. Okay. And uh it was it it's somebody else who made it. I, I don't I don't have the details in my
0: fingertips. Oh, I don't um, remember that. That sounds interesting. I have to look I don't think
1: that. it's one of the popular ones. It just it looked real interesting to me.
0: When did that? When did that one come out?
1: I don't know. I've I've had it on my shelf for probably about a year. So okay, uh, it's it's not like super new. But my point is that you know if you're doing <laughs> something like that, right, or yeah. or if everything is just kind of completely fabrication, and and even at that, you might think that something is coming from like an older public domain source. But mm-hmm. um, I think people aren't real good at remembering where stuff comes from. Right. So, you know, maybe you're like, you know, trying to make a game based on like Bram Stoker's Dracula and you're like, well, you know, vampires go out in the sun and that kills them. And it's like, well, actually that came from the silent film Nosferatu, which is in the twenties. And that's also public domain. So that's not a problem. It's just my, my example of sometimes you just kind of have this idea in your head and you got to go back and check the standard for copying. So either you, you directly like, you know, Xerox something and then that's copying or you, you know, you make something that sort of um, borrows a little too much and takes too much from something else. And the standard for that is access and substantial similarity, right? So if you had access to the original material, and if what you came up with is substantially similar to it, and that does not include intent. So there's a lot of stuff you'll see um, in the music context, where it's just sort of like, you know, this, this melody that maybe you don't even know you heard, and it was just kind of bouncing around in the back of your head, right? Like, um, yeah, that that blurred lines song a few years back and um the estate of marvin Gaye sued because they're like the melody from this is from an old marvin Gaye tune um and sort of part of the defense was like you know if we heard that it was like 30 years ago and we weren't even thinking of that at the time (laughs) um but that's not a legal defense to copyright infringement Mm -hmm. um so if you're well, making something and you're like, oh, I I'm basing this off of these old public domain sources, maybe like go back and watch the other stuff that you've seen before and and kind of take some notes and say like, oh no no no, this bit actually came from here, just so you know.
0: The one that pops into my mind all the time, though, is because 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 it was kind of like me coming up when this stuff was coming out was the old. Uh... The, the Ice Ice Baby and <laughs> Queen yeah. and David Bowie. Yeah. And how did that – how was that – was that – was there ever a case involving that?
1: <laughs> oh, man, because I – I wonder was- – it even went back older than that right because you know i think in particular like rappers were sampling songs for for just forever i think a lot of that falls under this this concept of fair use um which last time i was on i refused to talk about fair use (laughs) because it gets people into a lot of trouble but but maybe it's worth um going into a little bit you know if you look at the actual the actual statute like section 107 of the copyright act it's gonna say there are certain types of things um, that you can do with copyrighted work. And there's there's a list of them and it's things like, um, you know, scholarship, education, analysis, you know, kind of like all this like really dry sounding academia. And then you are allowed to do that as long as you do it in a way that is fair to the author, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, you know, they, they, they look at the amount and substantiality that you, of the, the part that you took and sort of its um, potential impact on markets, like real or or potential markets for for the original work. You know, what it, what it really comes down to is, does the copy that you made serve as a replacement for the original? And uh, there's a lot of stuff that falls under fair use, right? Because, you know, if you just read the statute, if you look at the way that that they originally kind of um, thought about it when they wrote the law, it sort of covers these, these dry academic uses. But then maybe you have a case where, you know, uh, there's an author who was reading um uh, gone of the wind like the the margaret mead novel yeah and says like well what does this look like from the slave's point of view and and writes that story uh and then gets sued by the um the estate of margaret mead and sort of in court is like well this is this is fair use like what i'm doing is commentary on the original novel uh and that's that's a real case <laughs> you can look it up <laughs> i think the, the um, the new book is called, uh, the wind done gone, super interesting, but they're like, this is a hundred percent, the kind of thing that we want to protect. There is a very small, but very interesting body of law when you get into tattoos, right. Where you can take, yeah. you know, sort of, uh, you know, other people's art, you know, logos, whatever, and <clears throat> sort of the act of putting them on the human body, right. Like the, the adjustments that you have to make and then sort of like the position and what it means to be sort of like in contact with every bit of your daily life, um yeah. sort of gives a different context for that, um, to the point where it's it's generally considered fair use. Um and so uh oh god where was where was I starting <laughs> from all of this here,
0: here, here, let me yeah let me put let me put this out there. So you're what you're saying um, I've got a question that, that I think I wanted to ask. and I'm trying to think of a way to phrase it or, or the yeah. phrase I've heard used before. So I think we talked uh, before we started that, like, we were considering um, maybe doing a zine with with collages of things that are out there. <laughs> yeah, Where yeah. is there some sort of line that I could look for? What do I keep in mind if it's things like if you're saying that this is if we're looking at, like, uh was maybe the word's parody or i think you were starting to get into some of that critique and parody yeah. things like that how could you expand a little more on some of that
1: yeah i mean parody parody is a great example right um i think a lot of people are familiar with uh, Weird Al Yankovic, right? And like, yes. he does all these these like copies of songs, and he will always. My understanding this is apocryphal. I don't know the guy, but <laughs> uh, my understanding is that he'll always, you know, um, reach out to the original artist beforehand, and say like, "Hey, here's what I'm thinking about doing," um, and then just kind of get their feedback. And he does that because he's just like trying to be a nice guy, right? Because like he he lives in the society, and he's like, "That's what I want people to do to me," and he legally does not have to, right? So like. I think there was a there was a thing where he um had something with uh, i think it was like a paul mccartney thing and you know it was like one of his like food parody things and yeah. paul mccartney was like i don't <laughs> i don't want like anything to do with meat to be attached to my name and weird i was like yeah that sounds fine and if he just decided to go for it anyway like no one could stop him so yeah uh, parody great example of like a, a type of analysis um criticism discussion um, that's kind of permitted when you go to these things. Yeah. You know, a collage. Yeah, it's I mean, you are allowed to you're allowed to reference things in like, for example, uh like news media, right? You know, the the newspaper can print something that's got, you know, sort of references somebody else's copyrighted work as long as they do it in a way that is fair to the author, right? So if they steal somebody else's photo. Without attribution and then just drop that in there, um, they're generally going to say that's not fair to the author. Or mm-hmm. um, there was a case from from a while back where it was a circus act. I want to say it was like a human cannonball act, and on the nightly news <laughs> they they put it up, and you know in court they were like, "Come on, it was like it was like five seconds," and it's like, "Yeah, but that was the whole act," and now people have already seen it on TV, so they're not going to go and, and watch the thing. <clears throat> so you know, again, is this fair to the author? Um, does this serve as a substitute for the original? Um, That's the real mark of fairness. Um, And then, you know, sort of, is this considered, like, criticism, commentary? Um, Is this sort of talking about that work in some way? Or is this just making a copy that's considering sort of, like, it is the type of use that um the law is trying to protect and these are all oh god these are all um factual questions that you know i can't answer for you these have to be answered like by a jury in a court of law so yeah. uh generally speaking <laughs> if you're getting to questions of fair use you're kind of deep into it which is not a great answer <laughs> you're just trying to publish things, but uh the way that it typically works in the legal world is if there's somebody out there who doesn't like what you're doing um they send you a cease and desist letter and then you have you know, you have different uh, sort of resources that you can reach out to, right? Whether it's like an ACLU thing or the Electronic Frontier Foundation does a lot of really great work. Um, Or uh, the, the, I mean, I guess not so much in this space, but there's like the Software Freedom Law Foundation, uh, which does a lot of the open source software work. Um, Yes. You know, and they have people who, you know, you just say, hey, look, I got this cease and desist letter. Here's what I'm doing. This seems kind of bogus to me. What should I do? And, you know, they're all very busy people who have a lot to do, um, but they're doing this because they, they really care and are dedicated to it. Chances are they're going to you know kind of get back to you in whatever way they're able to 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 try and help you. So don't feel like if you ever get a cease and desist letter, like you're all alone or the only thing for you can <laughs> do is comply. But it's, it's typically you're not just going to get summoned into court one day with no idea of what's going on, unless you're doing something really sort of egregious or flagrant, you know? Yeah.
0: Oh, and I can think of some game companies that may have done stuff like that. But <laughs> like anyway, there are a few out there. There's there's something going on out there. We're about out of time. I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, I usually ask guests to give me like their sites or where they can find their games, but you don't have any games <laughs> out there. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: that's not really that's not really what I'm doing. I, I kind of work in, um you know, I work, I work for a law firm. Uh, you know I think here's what I'm gonna do with my plug I am going to plug uh reading just like reading books right it's it's great um up here in Seattle the Seattle Public Library does their like adult summer reading challenge and I'm trying to finish off my card and it's been uh it's been real hard but uh, uh I think it was Stephen King who said um if you don't have time to read you don't have time to write yeah. And uh, I, I don't know that I necessarily want to go that hard after people, but if you are um, running games, if you're playing games and trying to, like, make this character and portray them and say, like, oh, what, what would this person do in this situation? Um, you know, kind of like reading is a great way to get that perspective. You know, uh, we do a lot of things in genre conventions and, and figure out what's going on and just kind of, you know, maybe maybe even like read the same book as the people you're playing with. That, that could be fun uh, if you all have time.
0: Excellent, excellent. I, I appreciate that one. I'm I'm yeah. a I'm a big fan of the books. <laughs> <laughs> if you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards. WobbliesandWizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at Logar Crom. We're on Patreon. And we could use any support you can get. It would really help us with help us keep this going. And as always, keep those dice rolling.